Welcome to the Bedpost Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Erin Pym, and I am the host and producer of the Theatrical Variety Show, which is a stage variety show that I run here in Toronto twice a month. Here at the podcast, I invite guests and performers from my stage show and beyond into the studio to indulge me in a more in-depth conversation about sex and sexuality. This week, I have a very special guest, Shahira Saad. Hello. Why, Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh my God, I'm very excited to have you. It's lovely to be here. You were at my, you did kind of a little panel Mm -hmm. Q&A portion at my stage show, which you were fantastic in. I did. That was such a great conversation. It really was. It was great. I I was very impressed with the uh, caliber of the questions. Yes, they were interesting, weren't they? I I don't remember. I think we got put on the spot a few times, but... (laughs) People want to know what exactly a dominatrix does all day and yes, things like that. Yes, yeah. yes. And you um, you are a headmistress. Am I saying that, that title properly? You are saying that correctly, you're yes. <laughs> headmistress. Uh, you're a headmistress. Yeah. What? Why don't we just start with um, what is a headmistress? How is that different sure. from a dominatrix? Because it's in the same arena. Mm-hmm. So what is a headmistress? Well, let's start by saying that there are no, really no official titles for anybody in the scene, anybody in the BDSM scene. But um, I took on the title of headmistress when I opened my dungeon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do uh, mentor and work with uh, 10 other dominants. Yes. So as the headmistress of the of the dungeon, I uh, am the one who manages it and um, is acts as a mentor for the people who work with me. Um, I'm the one who... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, you know, giving them a little bit of of, uh, of direction, of context for what they're doing, um, helping them to succeed in what they're doing because it really isn't that easy um, right now. Uh, you could say that the pro BDSM industry is kind of uh, it's very oversaturated. There are a lot of people doing it, yeah. um, and so to do it well and to do it in a in a really professional and skilled way uh, does require skill development. So yes. um, I just make sure that uh, everybody's on a good track yeah on that that's funny i was listening to a podcast on the way here off the cuffs love you guys um they were talking to a dominant a female dominant about female dominance and they were kind of saying the same thing that um there's now a lot of female dominance everywhere Mm -hmm. everywhere and and they call (laughs) themselves mistress or or whatever Mm -hmm. else Mm mm-hmm but it probably haven't earned the title and probably don't really know what the hell they're doing. What's involved? Yeah. Yeah, what is involved. Yeah. And, and um, you know, I don't know if guys are just easy to please and they just... <laughs> but but um, it's a little more nuanced than just picking up yeah. 
uh, paddle and beating someone. It with certainly it. is right. <laughs> Anybody can pick up a paddle and a paddle and hit somebody with yes. it. Yes, and and um, call themselves a, and call themselves a, a mistress or a mistress. And, yeah, and look really pretty in latex or whatever, whatever, what have you. Um, I think you know the the pro domination aspect of the sex industry is a little bit different in, in, from other aspects of the sex industry in the sense that um, the kinds of activities that you're engaging in um, generally speaking once you know, you know once you get beyond a basic level of BDSM and kink activities do require skill in order to uh, implement safely yeah right? just for safety just for safety you don't want to be sticking needles in somebody because it just occurred to you that that might be a fun thing to do with no prior knowledge of how to do it yes. you don't want to you know uh, do breath play with somebody if you've never done it before and you have no idea how long it's going to take that person to pass out. And, you know, yes. so it, there are so many different um, skill sets that are required. And, and um, so for the client's safety, for the consumer's safety, it's really important that um, you do some research yeah. and find uh, find a mistress who has taken the time to, uh, to, to learn how to do many of those things safely. Yes. And yep. those 10 dominants that are under you at your dungeon, are they up to snuff? They're as far as I can see, they are up to snuff, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm curious, what kind of like training or vetting process, process. for you finding your dominance in yeah. your dungeon? Well, one of the things at the Ritual Chamber that's like super important to me is that the people who work with me are actually lifestyle players. Right. So they are people who um, have a personal interest in BDSM. They do, to some degree or another, play in their personal lives. Um, they pursue uh, you know, workshops and training in their personal lives. They are, uh, have relationships that are power exchange relationships that are beyond what they're doing professionally mm -hmm. and what that what that um that does is it gives them um an understanding of what it is they're doing professionally that comes from having gone through their own process of accepting their kinks mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. because it's it's very difficult to empathize with somebody who is kinky or who has has these different kinds of of fantasies when you haven't been through it yourself mm -hmm. um, in a very personal in way. a very personal way so it gives them a, a different kind of a different quality of session with a client um when they know what it is that they're going through and um they are personal invested in what they're doing yes yeah speaking of um how did you happen along <laughs> this track how do you how oh do you get to owning a dungeon and having 10 dominants under you many what, where many did you come from? <laughs> you from many many years where did i come from that's a, that's a good question i've been wondering that myself i, I <laughs> sometimes i look back and i go it's been 15 years what what were you doing in those 15 years wow. um yeah so it's it has been a long time um and uh you know this industry is it's hard to stay in for a long time i've seen many people come and go and come and go out of the out of the industry um because if you don't have an absolute love for what you're doing you burn out really quick yeah, yeah. you burn out no really quick power. yeah so um what uh i i guess um my journey started with uh my own awakening to the fact that i had kinky fantasies that i was uh interested in dominance that i liked mm -hmm. being assertive that i liked taking control of situations uh in the bedroom and kind of in a larger psychological landscape mm -hmm. so i like controlling people Surprise! No surprise there. <laughs> surprise! No, I like you're not. Uh, yeah, exactly. I I really like um, uh, getting responses from people. I like the the. Um, 
don't know. I, I like making people go to places of vulnerability mm-hmm. and being uh, or and seeing them or witnessing them in that place. Mm-hmm. So my journey kind of started coming to an awareness of that and then realizing that I had totally repressed that part of myself because that's not how women are supposed to be. Did you have um, like an, an yeah. Oprah aha moment? With that, I, well, what my my aha moment really came when you know I I'd been raised quite uh, religious, okay, and so uh, got fed this script that yes. uh, you know women are supposed to be sexually subservient and all these things, and in my mind that was always kind of ridiculous. Um, and then I just you know I I would look at like people like Madonna or Betty Page or those kind of women, and yes. I'd be like that there's something like so I recognize myself in that but I don't know how to like connect you know point A to point B I wasn't sure how I could find that within me um, and uh, it wasn't until I, I met uh, I met somebody who was a pro sub who became a very good friend of mine um, in uh, when I was 17 and she was telling me a little bit what, about what she did and how she did it and uh, and something just clicked and I went you know what there is something within this arena of BDSM um, that is uh, that could be a vehicle for me to reclaim my power um, and to explore what it is to be a uh, um, an active participant in the creation of my own erotic yeah, sexuality, landscape. Your own, yeah. 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 So. Yes. Anyway. And then one thing, you know, one thing led to another. I, I worked as an independent pro. It's, it's, it's like, you know, do you want the does. short story or the long <laughs> yeah, story? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> worked as an independent pro dom for many, many, many years, yeah. you know, um, struggled through it. It's not easy to build up a client base. Yeah. Independent. To start independent. Yeah. Oh, it's kind of difficult. Well, really. I actually, actually, to be honest with you, I started at a, at a house. Okay. That is no longer in existence at this point in time. Mm-hmm. But I started there. I worked there for about nine months. Mm-hmm. And then from there went independent. Mm-hmm. So once I had a grasp of the the scope of of what was involved, I was exploring a lot then in my own personal life, mm-hmm. and so I kind of put the two together and went, yeah, I can I can do this. This is something I want to pursue. This is fascinating, and I love people's like, you know, psychoerotic landscapes. It's just it, it's fascinating it's to me. Endlessly interesting. To me endlessly, as well. yeah. Something I uh, was also listening to on a podcast recently. Um, I've I've heard around around the block that um, dominance a lot of times, or sometimes you would know, not me, <laughs> um, might start off as a pro sub uh-huh. or might you know might sub at some point to kind of learn the other side mm-hmm. of things. Is that something you think might is necessary or is not necessary? It's a, you know it's probably one of the most common questions I get, and there are there are some dungeons in the city that operate that way that that require that um, all those learning start off in a submissive um, uh, position in order to learn how to top. And that's a very uh, very kind of like old guard leather. Um, uh, idea yeah it's kind of an old school school idea that you you have to kind of start at the bottom and work your way up literally yeah yeah, literally literally start start at the bottom bottom, totally (laughs) so yeah so exactly so you know and I'm I'm a little bit more new school in the sense that I do think there is value to a dominant knowing what something feels like Mm -hmm. before they subject another person to it Mm -hmm. so it's very hard to get a sense of let's say something like corporal punishment or spanking or flogging or whipping or that kind of thing to get a sense of the nuances of each different type of implement and what kind of um, what kind of sensation that's going to create and mm-hmm. what the the kind of gradation of pain and pleasure you could create with that implement mm-hmm. if you've never felt it yourself. Yeah, and the types of uh, sensation that that's creating for the person. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. via different implements and how yeah. hard or soft or yeah. nuanced. 
the hits are. Yeah, totally. So I I do think that um, for a dominant to voluntarily experience or bottom for some of those different types of activities that are really hard to get a sense of just kind of by thinking about them Mm. um, is is very valuable to developing empathy and an empathetic connection with the submissive. Mm -hmm. Um, Do I think that it has to be done, that that a a dominant needs to be submissive for a prolonged period of time in order to graduate to to being a dominant? Um, I think it it helps, but I don't think it's absolutely necessary. Necessary. Yeah. 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 I believe you have some workshops and things coming up at the Ritual Chamber about Mm -hmm. um, people who are interested in pursuing uh, domination, Mm -hmm. uh, female specifically, right? Yeah. Interested in dominating and and kind of learning the ropes <laughs> learning the ropes that's what that's what we do we teach them the ropes um i, I well yes we do uh, what what because i have so many people coming to me all the time saying do you train do you mentor do you and my my mentorship time is dedicated to the to the house doms at my dungeon mm-hmm. um but uh the the courses that are coming up are in march they're every tuesday night in march mm-hmm. And the series is called the Femdom Academy. It is called the Femdom Academy. It's uh, mostly geared to femdoms who are topping men or women Mm -hmm. um, or people of, of all genders really. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, um, male dominance may benefit from it as well, in the sense we're talking about uh, skills that aren't uh, gendered. So we're mm-hmm. talking about things like the scope of your responsibility as a dominant, or um, you know, ways to help a submissive manage and work through sensations that are painful, mm. um, or things like that, the ethics of being a dominant, yes. stuff like that. And it's really relevant to everybody, but I speak from my, my position as a femdom. And so that is a unique position. Yes. Um, so there, there will be value there for everybody, though, who is interested in developing their skills um, as a top and and as a dominant and becoming uh, becoming better at it. So it's not like a it's not like a, a one hundred and one type of I was course. Say, it sounds like a one hundred and two, maybe. It's a little bit of one hundred and two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can we kind of go back to a one hundred and one? Do you have like maybe some I don't know tips and tricks for yeah. people that want to start? Uh, you know, delving mm-hmm. into that world. Of Absolutely. Dominance. I know it's kind of fascinating. It's a bit of a rabbit hole. The deeper you go, the the, the more the deeper you, the go, deeper the you deeper realize you it is. <laughs> yeah, the deeper you go, the deeper you go. I'm <laughs> Where were those uh those butt plugs you yeah, had? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll bring them yeah, yeah, anyway. So, um the uh, uh, for somebody who's just starting out, it's really important to have a sense of your motivation. Why do you want to become a dominant? Yes. Um, yeah, can you even you tell know? me just talking about that kind of yeah. the psychology of why you know why yeah. sadists? Yeah, why <laughs> sadists? Oh, <laughs> you know? well, that's that's a that's a subject for a show unto itself. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, you know, I think that we all have within us, uh, or it's it's a human experience to. Um, to explore the positive side of our nature and but we are not all positive right we all have a shadow side to us (laughs) yeah and you know um pain and pleasure and control and surrender and uh those kinds of uh polarities or opposites are really present in all of life yeah so Everybody has within them times where they're they're in control and times where they're out of control. Yeah. <laughs> we all know Speaking that. as a hot mess. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Agree. <laughs> Check. Um, yeah. So you know, people. Um, uh, people. I think it's healthy to 
explore all the different faces of who you are mm-hmm. um, in order from just just from a psychological perspective that when we repress parts of our personality they tend to come out in ways that we have no control over and that sometimes are not the most well-adjusted well <laughs> stuff like that right so um, what BDSM allows for is um, a safe container in which people can kind of go into those dark sides of their nature you know the part of them that wants to tie hurt someone the, the pause or... part of them that wants to tie up someone the part of them that wants to see another person suffer and I I you know in air quotes because you know this is not this is consensual um, with the intention of pleasure for both people not the intention of harm. not the intention of actual harm um, so people, it, it gives people an outlet. I, I, I really, I really do believe. And I, uh, there have been studies done now that people who practice BDSM are actually more well-adjusted mentally, or sorry, mental health-wise, mm-hmm. um, than people who don't. Do you think it's like going to the gym, or like punching the punching bag, <laughs> or like like any stress? You know, anything people yeah. do to unwind from stress. Do you think it's? Um, yeah, I think. Well, I think too is for for many people. I, I think there are actually there are two ways of, pro- of approaching BDSM. Mm-hmm. I think there are people who approach it as something that they do, uh, in the sense that it is something that um, they pursue as kind of like a leisure activity or a stress relief activity or a therapeutic activity mm-hmm. that helps That's them the to scratch an itch or de-stress or let go for an hour uh, or what have you. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, yeah, I do believe it's like, you know. For those people. It's like golf. Yeah. You know. For those people, it's like golf. Then you've got people for whom it's who they are rather than something that they do. Mm-hmm. And for those type of people, it's a need or an identity. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't know if any studies have been done, uh, particularly comparing like people who are kinky to people who are lesbian or gay or bisexual. But it's, I, I do believe that it's more like an orientation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, so for people for whom it's part of their identity, it goes beyond just a something that they do. It's something that they are. It's a way of being in the world. It's a way in which they choose to structure their relationships mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit more of a, a more far reaching Mm-hmm. aspect of who they are. Mm-hmm. So going back to what we were saying, what is something like that I could go home and do tonight mm-hmm. to like begin harnessing, you know, <laughs> your inner dominatrix. Inner dominatrix. <laughs> Asking for a friend. Um, <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> um, well, something you could do uh, for starters is you could take a look at your general patterns in the bedroom. Like we all have uh, kind of like a way of being sexually that um, after a while when we've been with somebody for a long time we tend to get into a, a bit of patterned behavior sure. you know first first date's great second date's awesome third date's great maybe that goes on for six months or a year and then after that you're like yeah I know what they're gonna do if I do this they're gonna do this yeah, and then they're the gonna, you're pressing the buttons you're on autopilot yes so you want to take a look and see whether any of those patterns that you have are not really conducive to dominance. So, for example, if you, um, I'm sure this isn't true for you, but if you have a hard time uh, asking for what you want, or... Um, I do. I uh, mean, I do. I'm sure you do. <laughs> I do. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> but, you know, so places where you have a hard time being directive sexually or mm-hmm. taking the initiative sexually mm-hmm. or expressing your desires and limits yeah those kinds of things are like basic foundational skills of dominance because you have to be able to 
you have to be able to take charge of a scenario. Um, and yes, you're co-creating it with another person. But if you're always waiting for the other person to take the initiative or, you know, you can't ask for what you want or what you like or uh, it makes it really hard to be a top. Sure. Right? Yes. <laughs> kind of like thing. standing there scratching your head looking awkward, right? Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So you want to just like, you know, what are your current patterns and are they conducive to dominance? And uh, what can you do to shift some of them to make them more uh, reflective of a confident, assertive attitude towards sexuality? Yes. Yeah. Because through confidence, I, I feel like it's it's hard to fake being dominant. It's hard to fake being <laughs> really toppy you know what I mean like you gotta you can do it but you gotta you gotta work at it yeah Yeah. like without confidence yeah without confidence it's really hard it's hard right and I feel like that's the there might be a little bit of a loop there where it's like you have to be confident to be a dominant but to be a dominant you have to be confident I don't know if I said that right but like (laughs) there is a there is a link between them for sure yeah um the dominant role how do you get confident if you're do you know yeah. what I'm saying? Well, you, you get people all the time. You know, I get people coming to my Reluctant Dominatrix workshop at, where I teach at Good For Her. Yes. And um, they are women who are really interested in uh, dominance, but it's, they find it totally intimidating and scary. Yes. So one of the things that can sometimes block is uh, feelings of uh, self-consciousness, uh, feeling like you're not worthy of being served, feeling like uh, no one would ever want to um, be your submissive because you're not good enough mm. or you don't look like that, you know, stereotype of the latex clad corset, high five, heels, five ten, five ten with a whip, you woman. know, bitchy cold woman. Um, wearing black lipstick. Wearing yes. black lipstick. Yes. Um, yeah. So uh, people think, oh, well, I don't, I'm not that, and therefore I'm not what they're fantasizing about. When in actuality, there are as many different versions of a dominant as there are people interested in in occupying that role. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the sexiest thing is, is that self-confidence, mm-hmm. is that however you look and whatever, however you feel comfortable dressing and whatever you feel like wearing that makes you feel more dominant, your confidence is going to carry through all of that. Mm-hmm. And that's sexy. So anything you can do to improve your confidence level is, is will help you in yeah. that role. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Yeah. All right. I think we're about time for a little bit of a break. And actually, awesome. I have a bit of show and tell. Uh, I, I usually bring the guests uh, to do a little, tell them to bring some implements and toys and whatnot. But uh, for my little commercials today, I have actually brought a couple of things because... Oh, baby. Check these out. Oh, my God. Those are amazing. (laughs) These are by Lovecrafters Toys. This is an indie Toronto silicone artist, uh, Shay. Hey, Shay, girl. What's up? Um, Pure silicone. Wow. Um, They're freaky. They're fantastical. They're... Let's see this. Oh, my God. Touch all of this strawberry. That is is something else. This is one of the lovely butt plugs that Shay makes. Um, We got some lovely ridges on the inside here, and we've got this lovely little greenery that's going to kind of splay out uh, one more, and it's really lovely. How pretty. Since it's the month of February. (laughs) Are we getting ready for spring? Is that what these are for? Yes, exactly. (laughs) Spring is sprung, everybody, because Lovecrafters Toys has got... Check out this gorgeous rose again with this little bulbous part that's going to be inserted, and then you have this lovely little uh, flora. Rosebud. Fauna. <laughs> Rosebud. 
<laughs> that will be external there. Um, if you want to go to Lovecrafters Toys, uh, check out their Etsy shop. That's the first place. They also have a small selection available at comeasyouare.com, who is our full-time sponsor. Um, they're an amazing trans-owned, trans-operated sex shop here in Toronto. Ooh. You can uh, go on their website to get a 15% discount with the coupon code BEDPOST, B-E-D. P-O-S-T when you visit comeasyouare.com um, and you, you can see these uh, freaky fantastical nerdy geeky they do they do tentacles I was saying to you pre-recording oh that's the strap-on best strap-on compatible tentacle really? dildos I gotta get some of those for my dentist. come on now right and that they do so like great. dragon egg benoit balls they do unicorn horn dildos this is Sex some, toys have gotten really interesting in the yeah, last few years. These are some <laughs> interesting, fun, yeah. non-intimidating sex toys. And I believe that's basically Shay's whole deal is she wants it to be fun and she wants it to be not intimidating. She doesn't want anyone to be scared to use this like cute little rose and cute little strawberry. That is so brilliant. So they're brilliant. <laughs> and um, Shay has also been known to like give away a couple toys at my bedpost stage shows. So, you know, if you want to like come and see a great show and potentially get one of these fantastic door prizes. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> that is totally worth it. Speaking of show and tell. Oh, yes. Well, I, I have my own show and tell here. They're, they're not quite as unintimidating as what you've got over there on that yeah. side of the table. Yeah, but this falls more in the intimidating uh, wheelhouse. Oh, my God. Great. So, yes, yes, yes. Okay, Sarah, I'm just going to put them down on the table. So mm-hmm. we got those two babies. Oh, my God. And one of these. One of these hairbrush. Uh... Ooh. And then, a nice little smack. It is a nice little smack. It is a very nice little smack. Um, and a wooden spoon. A wooden spoon. A wooden spoon. So we got bamboo, some bamboo canes. You've got some bamboo canes. And one one last thing, which is helpful for keeping the person in position while you are implementing such slightly intimidating toys, is 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 this, which is called a humbler, and and okay, okay, you got to ask me how this how this goes on. Yeah, yeah. how how do we even? This is like two wooden slats together by two bolts. So if you if you imagine a poor submissive who has done something very very bad. And deserves <laughs> a punishment. And let's just say they are the kind of submissive who has <laughs> balls. <laughs> what happens is this lovely, uh, this lovely implement unhooks, and as they are, if you can imagine them, sort of bent over with their forehead on the ground and their ass up in the air, <laughs> waiting for one of these lovely implements. Um, this kind of hooks behind their legs and their balls go through here they come out that way yep so that they actually cannot come back up to a kneeling position without it being rather uncomfortable (laughs) (laughs) uncomfortable being yes um, an understatement wow so (laughs) wow so it facilitates the uh, application of one of these babies. Yes. Um, okay. So this is yeah. holding them in place. That's holding them in place. What is all this stuff? Doing? And so all this stuff is um, for the uh, d- the discipline and punishment of uh, people who deserve, deserve it. it. <laughs> <laughs> 
for a variety of reasons. This guy, what is this going to feel like? So that's going to feel, so those two are like classic canes. And um, this is going to feel very sharp and stingy. Mm. Um, If you can imagine this, yeah, it's brutal. (laughs) And yet people love it. Um, The surface area is really small. So when you have a small surface area like that and the the momentum, it's very focused. It's very focused, and so you get really lovely stripes. So, yeah, um, I was going to say, yeah, the marks, the marks are stripes. It's going to leave you some stripes. Yeah, <laughs> which is so much fun. It's fun for me. It's also fun for, fun for them. I, maybe a little more fun say. for you, though. Maybe but a little, maybe a little bit more fun. A little bit. It hurts me more than it hurts them. Yeah, exactly. Of course, what it is, does. What is the um, kind of hook on the end of this one? Well, I think for... that one is a, I believe, is a typical like school style cane. Um, I have to go. I don't have the history of that particular piece with me, but that's like it's it's more model, modeled on an antique cane that would have actually been used in uh, in a, either a domestic context or a, an in, like a school institutional context. So this lends for itself to all sorts of all sorts of things. role play. Mm-hmm. And we have a we have oh all kinds of role play. We have actually a, a classroom at the ritual chamber. It's oh, like a perfect. It's perfect for that kind of. I have thing. to say, you're looking very teacherly today. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> I had to match my implements, you see. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Certain implements have yes. to go with a particular. Yes. So vibe. please, please, the wooden spoon. The wooden spoon. <laughs> the wooden spoon. You mean you were never chased around your kitchen <laughs> with a wooden spoon? I mean, like, in the last week. You were week. very well behaved, as a, yeah, in the last week. Yes. <laughs> Of course you were. Um, so yeah, wooden spoon is uh, again. These are these are the kind of uh, disciplinary implements that would have been used in actual punishment contexts uh, in in domestic settings. Yes. Um, one of my absolute loves is for authentic <laughs> punishment um, implements. Yeah. So like, <laughs> I'm you know I love I love tentacles and all those other strange things, but yeah. I love the I love authenticity and I love mm-hmm. vintage like a vintage aesthetic. Um, or an antique aesthetic and so it turns me on that these actually would have been used in a in an original context for that kind of thing but then you take them out of that context and you use it in a consensual um, sexy way sexy way um, (laughs) with somebody who really loves to experience it really wanting it is this just like um, is this meant for like was this uh, engineered? Made for me. Made for you. <laughs> yes, it was actually. It was. It was, yeah. a, it was a gift from a client who really um, enjoys wooden spoons. Yes. Um, and uh, but could you pick up a wooden spoon from anywhere and use it? You could. You just need to make sure it doesn't have any rough edges. So you probably want to sand it down. Make sure that one's varnished. Yeah, this one's um, very nicely varnished. Yeah. That is why I kind of asked that question. I'm like, this yeah. looks a little nicer than yeah. your basic wooden spoon you get at Kitchen Plus. Yeah, definitely. It's, I mean, it's purpose made. <laughs> yes. Very purposeful. Yes. But yeah, you can go to you can go to any um, you know, we call them pervertibles, but you can go to any dollar <laughs> store or in Chinatown, the you know, the kitchen supply stores and that kind of thing mm-hmm. and grab, you know, wooden spoons or mm-hmm. those lovely charcuterie boards. Yes, those um, cheese boards. Cheese boards. Yes. And uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the hairbrush. And the hairbrush. Absolutely the hairbrush. How many um, people have been beaten with a hairbrush oh in an God. actual authentic context? Oh yeah, well that's that's it. Lots so many. Lots that yes. and the wooden spoon are two favorites. Yeah. Um and uh yeah, so you know, this would have been like, you know, um mommy or auntie grabbing the hairbrush and <laughs> <Very> <laughs> putting somebody over their knee. 
Um, yes. <laughs> it's ingenious, really. It is. I mean, they, they were really making something out of their situation. Yeah, like you got to use what's around they, they, you, you yeah. know? <laughs> you got to get creative, you know? Absolutely. With the punishment. Yeah. And these types of implements that are kind of more broad and flat, what yeah. kind of marks are those going to... Uh, those are going to leave like some nice, you know, like round, like egg-shaped yeah. um, marks. How long are we going to see those for? Oh, it depends on our how bottoms. hard I hit you. No. <laughs> Inquiring minds seem to want to know a lot about these implements. <laughs> Lovely. But anyway. And um, these would yes. be used in the schoolroom. They would be used in the schoolroom. Or else might I you? have um, a Victorian parlor, which oh kind my. of replicates like, um, I don't know, you know, like a kind of, a, again, a domestic setting, a parlor or a domestic setting that would have been um, in a household, um, <laughs> except it. a little bit more like a brothel-y type feeling because oh, everything's so red and saucy. like opulent and antique looking and uh yeah so that's another good place for these things to be oh, utilized fucking great i love it uh, i'm getting all sorts of fun. ideas looking at them <laughs> all sorts of ideas yes we wanted to talk about for the second half sexual magic oh yes yeah so like i have two yeah kind of this is like yeah, this is great that this is kind of divided by the two yeah. parts because, like, this is your other whole world, right? Yeah. So, um, I have two very strange traje- trajectories that my life has taken. <laughs> One is the trajectory of BDSM and kink, and then the other is a trajectory uh, in terms of spiritual sexuality. Um, and I have been uh, an apprentice to a shamanic spiritual path uh, for almost as long as I've been into kink. So it's been about uh, 15 or 16 years now. Um, and uh, through that path, I have studied uh, spiritual sexuality, sexual magic, um, uh, the way in which sexuality is a vehicle for uh, personal growth, spiritual awakening, greater insight, and so on and so forth, personal healing, and so on. Yes. So, so that's like a totally other, a love totally that. other topic. Yeah. Tell, tell, talk to me about that on like yeah. kind of a basic level. Okay. What even it, all this is about. So uh, at its core, you're mm-hmm. looking at the idea that sexuality is our life force energy. Mm-hmm. It is the energy that animates us. It's the energy that when we die is no longer there. Mm-hmm. And so it takes sexuality out of the context of sex equals like intercourse and or you know whatever like really mainstream idea about sexuality and stretching it into sex is not just something that we do for fun or for pleasure or for connection with another person it's also the energy that um that keeps us healthy and alive and passionately engaged with life mm-hmm. yeah it's also you know you could say you know how many people say oh my god at the moment of orgasm <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but um, orgasmic energy or that with that place of orgasm is the place when people feel um, most expanded, most connected to everything around them mm-hmm. in the same way that um, a spiritual experience would almost elicit. And so um, it, there is there is a lot um, more to sexuality than um, most average people would uh, think and 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 really that we get taught because mm-hmm. it's not anybody's fault it's just simply that it's our script it's our script of sexuality to think of it as fitting into this tiny little box and there is way more to sexuality than um than is 
readily available as information to people. Mm-hmm. Um, most people have encountered it. You know, you may have heard through about spiritual sexuality through tantra, yeah. um, which is more of an Eastern tradition of of working with sexuality as a vehicle for um, spiritual enlightenment. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but we, you know, there are there are many different ways of engaging with with uh, sexuality as a spiritual energy. Mm-hmm. And those yeah. ways are? <laughs> and those ways are? Asking um, for a friend. Well, asking for a friend. So <laughs> um, I actually have a, a number of workshops at Good For Her that mm-hmm. get into a little bit more about how you can use uh, sexuality for your own healing, um, for your own personal insight, personal growth, and so on. Um, and uh, they are called Awakening the Temple Priestess um, yes. and Sexual Magic for Manifestation. Mm-hmm. Um, the first is for um, uh, female-identified people, uh, and the second one is for any anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one, the sexual magic one, um, deals with the idea that um, you can actually use sexual energy to, uh, to manifest, to... Um, so now we're, we've suddenly delved into more esoteric topics and it's a little bit more difficult to explain, but it's like sexual energy is creative energy. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you can either use it to create a child mm-hmm. or you can use it to draw in something else, mm-hmm. you know, an, an energy, a project, uh, uh, something that you're looking to, um, to create. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like people can identify with that, though. After you have a really great orgasm, aren't you ready yeah. to just, like, conquer the world after? That's you're exactly like, right. You know, you, yeah. you get out of that bedroom and you're like, what needs to be done? <laughs> like, yeah, I want to totally. do something fantastic now. Like, yeah. I think we... A lot of people can identify yeah, with that. Exactly that. That you know, if we talk just simply about sexuality for healing, that when you're saying I feel better after I have an orgasm, that mm-hmm. orgasm has gone through your whole body and cleared out all of the, um, you could say, energetic debris um, of your stress, of your uh, of your cold, your flu, you know, all of the bad days at work you had last week, and you mm-hmm. hold all that in your body, and um, an orgasm is like a recharge, and it just mm-hmm. like clears all that out, you know, like and then that's why and physically, mentally. And Spiritually, um, yeah, it, yeah, it touches all of that. So, like, bring on the orgasms. Yeah, bring on the or. I, I sometimes give people an assignment. It's like, go and have an orgasm every day. Discipline yourself to have an orgasm every day. Yeah, um, and see how you feel after three months. Three months um, of orgasms. Three every months day. of orgasms every day. It's yeah. the best homework you'll ever get. Um, <laughs> and and just see, like, don't you know? Don't take my word for it. Just because you know, Sharzad on a podcast said it's a really good thing to do. Um, you know, go and try it yourself and see how you feel. And um, and if it works for you, keep it as a personal discipline. It's mm. like self care. Yeah. Will yeah. you notice a difference? Like I did pretty quickly. Do you think? I did. Yeah. <laughs> What was the difference? I was given this assignment by one of my teachers. Great. Um, what did you notice? So I yourself? noticed that I was more positive. I noticed that I was I was suffering. I sometimes delve into periods of anxiety and depression, oh, as many people girl. do. Yes. Um, and uh, it helped to um, clear some of that out. Mm. Um, I my I had more energy. Mm. I wasn't like exhausted at the end of the day of working. Um, You're excited to have your orgasm. I was excited. Bed. Yeah, totally, totally. It just it reset me. Yeah. Well, who wouldn't? Um, <laughs> I can picture that being me, like, like quite, quite honestly, yeah. without joke, being like, I get to have this, you know, twenty yeah. minutes or whatever you carve yeah. out for yourself, this me time that mm-hmm. is a self care, you know, practice that yeah. I'm having, and I would honestly look forward to that every day yeah. that I got to do that for myself. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, because most people most people make sexuality, um, you know, if they're super busy or they're stressed or they're anxious, sexuality is like super low on the totem pole, yes. right? It's like the last thing that they prioritize. In actuality, if you prioritize sexuality or you prioritize whatever uh, brings you the most pleasure, it will actually give you energy to do the things that you don't really want to do. Mm-hmm. So it, it gives you like extra bonus like if it was a video game it was a video game you know your little your little power uh gauge would go up extra container that's what (laughs) you get an extra life yeah (laughs) (laughs) and then you can use that life however you want you know um so it's like adding to your checking account rather than subtracting from it yes right kidding oh man so and then the other one is awakening awakening the temple priestess. priestess yes so, uh, so how is the, that different or, or yeah. blended from? So Awakening the Temple Priestess really came from uh, an exploration into goddess traditions. Mm. Um, you see, like the, the, the themes through my, my life have been uh, women and power. And so I've explored that through dominance, being a femdom, but I've also explored that through um, researching some of the uh, matriarchal cultures in which women were... Uh, in which women led and women ruled and women um, were the decision makers and uh, creation or sexuality or the womb or the ability to have children um, was considered a sacred and an honor Mm. honored thing um, and a valued thing rather than something that has been um, you know in, in this day and age has been taken down to a level of of less importance, of, of very little importance in many cases. And so um, I started doing research into my own history. I, my, my mother is from Iraq, and that particular region of the world um, in ancient times was known as Babylon or Mesopotamia. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it used to be a, a matriarchal culture there originally. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, doing research into that, I began to find um, a lot of value in looking at that way of looking the world uh, looking at the world um, from a, a matriarchal perspective um, and looking at women today that who I come in contact with all the time and seeing that there was something about that that is missing uh, in the lives of women today mm-hmm. and I, I don't know if it, it you know there is an inherent uh, devaluing of themselves that happens as a result of living in yeah, a society that script, is patriarchal. Right? It's the script. Yeah. It totally. So I um, I wanted to explore the idea that um, this archetype of the temple priestess, mm. of the woman who once felt called to tend to the goddess um, and, and be in the temple and uh, be the intermediary between uh, spiritual energy and physical energy, um, that her sexuality was celebrated, that that woman who occupied that role um, could that archetype be taken and applied to women today? Mm-hmm. So what that workshop does, the Awakening the Temple Priestess, it looks at some of the attributes of the Temple Priestess of ancient times and looking at how that has value that yeah, today. for women today. Love it. So, what are, yeah. are, do you have a couple things you could... Yeah, well, we could start, you know, I don't want it without giving away the whole workshop. Yes, exactly. Yep. <laughs> a teaser. Um, a, a teaser. teaser. Um, the idea that your sexuality, you know, uh, is for you. You know, we are taught that sexuality is something you do for your partner. We are taught that sexuality is something you do when you're in a relationship. We're taught that sexuality has to look like X, Y, and Z. We're never taught that your sexual energy is your own 
as I said earlier, your own life force energy. Mm -hmm. It is uh, something that you can uh, nourish and care for of your own accord because it is it is. It's you. It's the energy that makes you you. Um, and so people think that they can only engage with their sexual energy if they're in a relationship. Yeah, over there. Over there. Mm-hmm. It's always outside of ourselves, mm-hmm. right? With And we never really uh, come to a personal relationship to our own sexual being that is based strictly on us, not on what anybody else has told us, not on what the media has told us, not on what our friends have told us, not on what our partners have told us, just based on our own experience of our bodies, our own experience of ourselves. And we're talking about more than masturbation. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, you know, I will say say to people, you know, have an orgasm every day. Mm -hmm. But what that translates into, it could translate into a physical orgasm, but Everybody can think of a time in their life when they had a physical experience. Like, let's say you went and traveled somewhere Mm -hmm. and you hiked to the top of a mountain and you're looking down over this beautiful expanse of nature Mm -hmm. and you were moved to tears. Mm -hmm. That is that is still orgasmic energy. Or the idea of, you know, somebody being doing something that they love, like an artist or a musician Mm -hmm. and being so completely in the moment that. It's almost like time is not passing. Yeah, it's just like vibing on a frequency. Yeah. yeah. Being total, in total flow with the moment. Mm-hmm. That, is, that is the same energy. Mm-hmm. You're saying creative energy. like Creative before, energy. Kind of, is kind of related. Yes. Yeah. So you can explore your own sexual energy, yes, through masturbation, which I, I don't even, personally, I don't really like that word. I prefer the word self-pleasure. Self-pleasure, yeah. Um, just because it has less uh, negative uh, connotation. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, all of the places where you can uh, incorporate more pleasure into your life, whether you are experiencing that pleasure through through self-pleasure in a, in a, in a traditional sexual sense mm-hmm. or through, um, uh, through doing the things that just bring you pleasure, mm-hmm. uh, whatever those things are, mm-hmm. um, it will result, the end result will be the same. You will have more energy. You mm-hmm. will be a happier person. You'll feel healthier. You're, and, you know, it, it, it has a spillover effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like this is the whole, this is probably the deeper root of where this whole self-care kind of fad or mm-hmm. you know thing that's kind of happening where people are like yeah. self-care is more than taking a bath yes and eating chocolate <laughs> you know what i mean it's like true. self-care sunday or whatever yeah. you know what i mean like yeah definitely i, I feel mean, like this is the deeper meaning of self-care yes and yes absolutely i yeah. mean it's become you know self the word self-care has almost become cliched because everybody's like yeah. oh yeah self-care yeah i'm gonna go yeah. do a bubble bath and blah 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 yeah. and, and there is a, a role for that too um but at a at a more core level it's doing the things that bring you pleasure and incorporating more pleasure into your life yeah. and prioritizing pleasure yes prioritizing pleasure right it's like yeah it's like everybody like <laughs> yeah. there's nobody who would disagree with this but we don't mm. do it mm. you know yeah, why don't we do it? Well, yes. this is a really good question. Why not do it? Why, who would ever say no? I have my theories. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. While you were talking about um, the uh, kind of heritage of your culture and whatnot, mm-hmm. I want to ask, um, who is Shahirasad? Where did you get? Yeah. Where did you get that? name from? What does that mean mm-hmm. to you? So uh, Sharazad is actually the name that um, I took on when I first started working as a pro dominatrix. Mm-hmm. Um, and it comes from the story of uh, there, the uh, 1001 Arabian Nights, which is a classic piece of literature. Yeah. Um, and um, in the story, uh, there was this king 
and he um, he got really mad at. I think it was the queen for some reason. Um, I don't know if she wouldn't have kids with him or she wouldn't. Um, I don't know, whatever it was, he got pissed off with her. <laughs> and uh, so he decided that he was going to uh, take his revenge on all women by killing her. Uh, and then every night took another lover and then killed her and said that he was going to continue to do this as revenge for his wife not doing what she was supposed to be doing. So um, Scheherazade was um, a storyteller, and, and her name actually means woman of the city. Um, mm-hmm. But she uh, she was a storyteller and, and quite gifted at it. And she decided that she had had enough of this king killing off all these women. And so she uh, uh, seduced the king. And um, what what she did to distract the king was that every night she would tell him a different erotic story, oh but she my. would never finish it. So every night the king wanted to find out what happened next. Mm-hmm. And so he, he he didn't want to kill her because he, he was like, ah. I have to hear the end of the story. So she wove this very fantastical tale that, that went on for days and days and days and days and days and days and days, and days until eventually uh, the king gave up on his plan to kill all the women and she saved the women in the city from from more <laughs> murders. Murders. <laughs> murders. More murders. So um so I kind of identified with her in the sense of the fact that as a pro-dominant I I weave stories. I weave people's erotic narratives yes. um and uh go into them and explore them and weave them in ways that people maybe um weren't even aware of. Um and every day brings a different story as each person shares their their psychoerotic um, experience experience with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's why that name is near and dear to my heart. Oh my god! Yeah. Well, I think we're just about getting at time. Unfortunately mm-hmm. for me and everyone else listening to you, <laughs> um, are you able to tell us where we might find you, take in your classes, workshops, connect with you, possibly? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So um, you can uh, connect with me via my website, mm-hmm. um, which is www.theritualchamber.ca, mm-hmm. um, and that is for dungeon rentals, for sessions with any of the predominance or any of the workshops that I, I teach out of there. Um, you can also find me doing workshops at Good For Her, a local uh, sex shop in the city that is women run. Mm-hmm. Um, and their website is www.goodforher.com. Mm-hmm. You can also find me on uh, Twitter at Sharazad TRC. That's at S-H-A-H-R-A-Z-A-D. TRC or at Ritual Chamber TO. Uh, both of them will connect to me. Um, You're so much better yes. at this outro stuff than me. Watch me butcher my outro now. <laughs> <laughs> totally butcher it. Go for it. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming and speaking with me today. I can't even. Um, You're so welcome. (laughs) And I'm Erin Pym, and this has been the Bedpost Podcast. Uh, Check back weekly, everyone, because we release a new podcast every single Friday. Um, And you can also check out our YouTube content that we are now releasing every Monday. If you want to see the Bedpost stage variety show here in Toronto, you can come to the Social Capital Theatre at 8 
every second Friday of the month, or you can come to the Super Wonder Gallery at nine at the last Tuesday of every month. If you want to shoot me an email at the boat bed the bode post the abode <laughs> the, the bed post sex show at gmail.com. I would welcome any comments, questions, suggestions. Um flirts um also we want to uh thank eggplant media and everyone here at the pacific junction uh for making all our youtube content possible and uh lastly i want to uh give a huge shout out to stephanie copeland who if you're listening to the audio uh podcast recording of this episode and all my episodes she does all the original music for it and she's absolutely amazing so just check her out as an artist she also um scores horror movies like in her full-time life and she's a pop artist very very cool um so thank you so much for listening everyone thanks again to you Shirazad. thank you for having me. thank you thank you thank you and bye everybody bye <laughs> this podcast has been brought to you by the sonar network